Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Holy Spirit, come. Father, we don't want to go by emotions. We don't want to go by what's happening in the week. Your word even says, he who observes the wind will not sow. In other words, Father, if we observe what's happening around us, we will not praise the Lord. We will not sow. We will not be obedient. But Father, help us to graduate as a church, to go from sight or feelings to walking by faith. Your word says we walk by faith, not by sight. Father, I pray that you anoint your word today. Father, this is where we come to the house of the Lord, not to check each other out, but to encounter Jesus, to be filled with your spirit, to be released and edified into our callings. Father, I pray that you anoint your word, anoint it to the hearers in Jesus' name. And everyone said? And everyone said? All right, we've been on a series called uh, Training for Raining. Everybody say Training for Raining. Now, it's not raining like heaven raining. It's raining R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G, which is uh, victory. And raining means to be able to stand in victory after even the trials or how to reign. Do you know that David had to go through a lot of trials in his life in order to be trusted with the crown? Come on. Can I hear an amen? So if you're going to be trusted with with maturity, and if you're going to be trusted even with things of leadership, God is trying to train you and build you up. And the book of James is basically a slap in the face when it comes to uh, when it comes to training. Why? Because the book of James has about has five chapters, has about 108 verses. 54 of those verses are straight commands. There's hardly any uh, uh, doctrine like we know of doctrine. There's like about 54 commands. James was the, is the, was the brother of Jesus, not just the, the, uh, the, the book of James. So it's not just the disciple James. So he saw Jesus in a light that a lot of people didn't see. And so he was very straightforward. And we're in part uh, three because the last two Sundays we had Palm Sunday. I'm enjoyed Palm Sunday. Amen. And we had a, a, a wonderful Easter a resurrection service this past Sunday. It was powerful with the children. And so I want to now uh, encourage you to go to James chapter 1, verse 19 through 25. Uh, but before we, we read that, I just want to give a quick review for those of you who are not here uh, in the last couple of weeks when we did this series. We talked about uh, there's a difference between being attacked and testing of your faith. Come on, say Amen. A lot of times, uh, Christians, they say, well, I'm just being attacked, and I understand that. But, you know, a lot of times the Bible says he's testing our faith. A lot of times what we're going through, testing is required so that we could grow up. Can I hear an amen? And so testing is necessary uh, but because James says, be joyful when you fall into de- uh, various trials and testing, for it produces patience, it produces character. And then we talked about uh, temptation and how temptation is also a way that God grows us if we respond right. Then we talked about God's escape room. How many have been in an escape room before? I haven't, but we talked about that there is an area of escape. And just, for, just for review, when the temptation comes, we talked about God's escape room, which is one, uh, recognize the pattern of temptation. If you recognize the pattern of temptation that you are going under, then you will be able to resist it next time it comes. Can I hear an Amen. And so that was one of the ways that God gives escape. He said, no temptation is, is falling you, but it's common to man. But each one, listen, then he'll give a way of escape, right, uh, in Corinthians. The second thing we talked about is to refocus your attention off of the temptation onto something else. And that is powerful because you, you are what you behold. Don't let me preach this early. You, 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 you become what you behold. If you conti- like, like Michelle said, if you continue to gaze at fear, you will become that reality. And so that's why I love what John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. So part of the way of escape is to take your eyes off of the, the focus of the attention of the temptation. And then the third way of escape we talked about is to reveal your struggles to a godly companion, a godly friend. Because the Bible says iron sharpens iron and confess your faults one to another. So that's important. And again, fourthly was invite the Holy Spirit in your personal life and get the word of God inside you. With that said, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 25 is where we're going to land most of, of the time. Do you guys have your Bibles? Here it goes. You can have your app or your phone. It says, so then, now I want you to, I want you to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this is a, a, a real, this is, may not be a, a shouting message today, which is okay because I think the way that the Lord is, is revealing the service is, God, he wants to say something to us. Not everything that God says, are you ready for this, is going to make us shout. 
Sometimes what God says is going to make, make us say, ouch. I heard a preacher one time say, you're in the wrong church if you, not, you, don't, get, you don't get ouch every now and then. <laughs> if all you get is few messages and not a chance to, to correct things in your life, you're probably not being confronted by the Holy Spirit. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Say swift to hear. Slow to speak. Say slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Say that again. So, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now watch this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. I love James. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Do you, let me pause before I, uh, I speak on this. Do you know that right now in America there's thousands, maybe millions of people that are hearing the gospel, that are hearing messages, but very small percentage of those people walk out of those services to actually do what they heard. <laughs> but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Watch this. Deceiving yourself. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Keep going. For if anyone is a hearer of the word. Now, wait a minute. I thought hearing the word is good. I thought coming to church and hearing the word is good. It is. But it's not, and it's incomplete, and you're deceiving yourself if you come to church, hear the word, and don't act on the word. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Okay? But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and can continues in it, and it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Can I hear an amen? And so I want you to put the first slide up there, Zach. James describes essential um, qualities that are needed to walk in the blessing of God and overcome trials in your life. I don't know if you guys, some of you guys still have a New King James Bible. I, had, I, I, uh, I use a lot of my, my apps now. I don't read actually the actual physical Bible uh, in my devotional I do. Uh, but when I study, I use different apps. But in your, in your um, New King James Bible or the New Life uh, Spirit-Filled Bible, I have that one too. Um, in the heading of this in, of this verse, uh, this verse, what does it say in some of you guys? In the subheading, it says qualities needed for trials. Now, it doesn't seem like be, uh, the qualities that he's talking about are good for trials. It seems like they're just good for everyday life. But James knows what he's talking about because he just finished talking about temptations. He just finished talking about the testing of your faith. And then he says this. He says, I'm going to give you essential watch keys to overcome trials and to be walking in fruitfulness and blessing in your life, especially after temptation and trials comes. And he gives all three of them in one verse. There's about four or five of them, but he gives three of them in one verse, and it's, it's all wrapped up in one main thing. Put that next slide up, Zach, and it's this. Swift to hear. Say swift to hear. That means quick to listen. Got quiet up in here. Thank you for listening. Slow to speak. Everybody say slow to speak or respond. In other words, that's what, that's what we put the parentheses there is because slow to speak or slow to respond and slow to wrath or slow to get angry. These three keys he starts off with by saying, this is how you're going to overcome trials and tribulation. It doesn't almost make sense at, at first, but if you recognize the pattern of Scripture here, this is essential to have this because the first key that James says is to be listen quickly and listen often to the Word of God. But wait, wait, he says, be swift to hear. In other words, quick to hear and slow to speak. The church has it backwards. We're slow to hear and quick to respond. 
We're slow. You know why? Because human nature says that when something is giving our way that may challenge us or even convict us, we don't hear the full story, so we get ourselves in trouble and we respond before we hear the whole thing. And so that we, we're, we're, trying to be, we're trying to be obedient, but before we can even say something, we always have a defense in ourselves when someone confronts us or when the Lord confronts us or when there's a correction coming our way. Before the person even finishes their statement, we already have a response in our head. We already have a response in our mind. And you know, if you're married, you know that, that you, you, we practice that really good. Because no one likes to be called out on their junk. And so before we even listen, have the, the, the ability to listen to everything, my wife used to tell me, you're hearing me, but you're not listening. Thank you, wives, for that amen. Because I would, she would say something, and I would say something completely opposite. She goes, you're not listening. I go, yes, I heard everything you said. She goes, you're hearing me, but you're not listening. The Bible says, everyone be swift to hear. Be quick to hear. It's been said that God gave us two ears and one mouth because he wants us to do double of the hearing than we do the speaking. (laughs) He gave us two ears and one mouth, so we should hear more than we speak. But Christians especially, we tend to speak up, speak out, and everyone nowadays on Twitter wants to be heard, and Facebook, they want to say their opinions. Everyone wants to be heard nowadays. And you have to, you have to realize something, that, that the reason why James says be quick to hear rather than to be quick to speak is because when trials and pressures come and disagreements with others comes, it actually leads, watch this, to a progression. You, don't, you may not know this, but what the, actu- the, the antidote for trials is actually a progression in the wrong way if we don't do it. Be swift to hear is the starting point. But if we are not swift to hear, we will progress into speaking or responding. In relationships, we get this. Responding out of character, out of not hearing the full story, and it will lead to wrath. He says, be swift to hear, slow to speak. Doesn't mean you have to speak in slow motion. But he says, pause before you react and respond and take it all in. Because sometimes the best instruction is when everything is said. Now, why do I say that? We could apply this in relationships. We could apply that in, in, our, in, our, um, in our, our, our jobs. But when we're not quick to listen, we will be then quick to respond in anger. When we're not quick to listen, how many married folks do we have in here? Come on. You're acting like you're all holy today. When you're not quick to listen, you will be quick to respond and quick to anger. How much more when the Lord is trying to send a message our way and we don't like the way he's sending that message and we don't like the way that he is correcting us or he don't like the way that he's trying to make us right and we have a defense before God even finishes speaking. If we do that to each other, we, we will definitely do that to, to the Lord. And so why is it so important to overcome trials? Because the ability to hear, I wrote this down, and listen before you speak actually creates an inward discipline muscle. That's what I call it. If your, your ability to hear, watch this, can I just be real? Sometimes it takes everything in you just to shut up and be quiet and let the other person speak. You're like, hurry up, I got to defend. Hurry up. No, that's not true. That's not true. No, no, everything you're saying is not true. No, you're just, you're always attacking me. No, 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 no. And, and you, we never pause and say, maybe God is trying to correct something in you. Maybe God is trying to speak something in you. So your ability to be quiet and hear actually develops your discipline muscle. Your discipline muscle, which is, uh, watch this revelation, which is attributed to meekness. That's why James says, let everyone, let with meekness receive the implanted word. What is meekness? Meekness is control strength. So what he's saying is, use that discipline muscle and restrain yourself from trying to respond. And just let the word be. 
I think that we have so many interruptions in our daily lives and in our relationships. And even with the Holy Spirit, when he's trying to tell us something, we're so quick to respond, but we're not quick to listen. And so being quick to listen is important. I'll put that slide about being quick to hear. Being quick to hear will actually bring the necessity, necessary, sorry, the necessary correction and instruction that God is trying to send your way for your healing. I'm going to read that again. Being quick to hear will actually bring the necessary correction and instructions that God is trying to send your way for your healing because he's trying to show us something most of the time. Turn to someone and say he's trying to speak to you. Come on, he's trying to show you something. Are you alive this morning? This is a much-needed message today because in this age and time, you, if those of you have social media, you have Twitter, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, everyone wants to give their opinion about everything. Everyone is an expert on everything. Can I, can I, here's an ouch moment, okay? We want to say a lot, but we don't want to do anything about what we say. So we hide behind Facebook and, and, uh, and all these bold posts while we're sitting down not doing anything about what we're complaining about. If you're complaining about poverty, get up and, and do something about it. If you're, if you're noticing a deficiency in your church, don't just shout it out from the safety of your computer where you can't have any accountability do something about it because that's what James is talking about. We have a lot of people wanting to talk, but very few want to listen to the real problem. And if we listen, you'll realize that there's deeper things that you have not seen because you're so busy trying to have a response. Amen? And so most of the time, we're not doing these things. Now look at this. This is awesome because James instructs us to be quicker to hear than to speak um, and the very next sentence proves why this is important. Look at this. It says, he, said, he said, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Pause. What does that mean? The wrath of man. In other words, blurting out quickly your opinion and being all riled up is not going to add one iota of righteousness to that situation. Do you realize that when we get so passionate and we get all riled up, I understand that we get passionate. That, that's great, you get passionate. But do you understand that being riled up and speaking before you listen will actually, will actually cause you sometimes to not look real smart? Because the Bible says all that riling up does not produce the righteousness of God. What he's saying, when you speak before it's time in your marriage, when you speak in relationship before it's time in the situation, when you start speaking and not hearing, and you always want to get the last word, come on, somebody. It will not produce the righteousness of God in that situation. And so our ability to be set free, do you know even that our ability to be set free has to do with our ability to be quick to hear and receive the word? Look, look at what James 1, verse 21. I, I mean, say that again. Our ability to be set free from wickedness has to do with being quick to hear and receiving. Say quick to hear and receiving. That's key. Say, say quick to hear and receiving. Do you know you could be quick to hear and not receive? Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, what I just talked about, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Can I ask the church a question? How many believe that without faith it's impossible to please God? Right? Amen. Amen, Brother George. Amen. Without faith it's impossible to please God. But my question is, how does faith come? Now faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. We cannot even please God in our faith when we have our spiritual ears clogged up. Because when our spiritual hearing is wrong, our ability to receive the word will be wrong. When our spiritual hearing is messed up, our ability to receive the word is messed up. That, that's the next slide there, Zach. Somewhere in there. I'm, 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 if our spiritual hearing is messed up, our ability to receive the word is messed up. 
if faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word, then one of the ways that we overcome trials is to be still and know that he is God. When you are in an operating table, you, the, in order for the surgeon, surgeon to do a successful job on you, you have to be still and not all riled up. Could you imagine when you're in the operating table and they're trying to uh, cut uh, on your heart to heal it and you're like, you're going, your heart is going to be messed up. And I believe human nature does that. Now, here's where I'm going to really land on today. Once we're disciplined enough to get, uh, that was just my intro, by the way. <laughs> Once we are disciplined enough to get the listening right, then the, then the words of our response will be right. But... James has not stopped there. This is what the Lord is after when he comes to hearing. First, we needed to harp on hearing, being slow to hear. But this is what he's really after. It's called obedience. Because if we just hear the word and just get out of churches or our Bible studies, and we become in time spiritually fat with all the knowledge that God has given us, and we are not responding or doers of what we heard, the Bible says we're deceiving ourselves. The Jesus, James says, be, do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers, deceiving yourself. All throughout the Bible, the enemy is described as the great deceiver, the great, the, the great liar, the father of lies. And yet, James is saying the enemy has nothing to do with some of the greatest deception in the church. Sometimes the greatest deception in our lives has nothing to do with the devil, the great deceiver. It has everything to do with hearing the word of God and choosing not to do anything about it. Because the Bible says, if you just a hearer only and not a doer, I told you I'm not going to get amens a lot. Because anytime you talk about obedience to the Lord or holiness to the Lord, you're not going to get a lot of amens. <laughs> the next quality to overcome, that's the next slide, trials and, and obtain favor of God in your life. <clears throat> is to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Somebody say doers. Say doers. I want to say something that's a little bit, um, well, I'll just say it. God loves everyone. We understand that. But he does not reward everyone the same. You, 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 have, to, you have to stop this, this nonsense that, oh, I could just do everything because God loves me. Let me tell you, yes, he, he, he loves you. But let me tell you, obedience is the currency of heaven. O -o obedience, obedience to his word. In other words, not just saying, go on, pastor, that's a good word. Man, he's talking about me, but I ain't going to change. Or, or you allow the word to strike you and you do something about it when you leave hearing that, that message or that word or that scripture. That hit. If, if God is highlighting a scripture to turn you away from wickedness or, or reconcile with somebody, don't be like, well, they, they hurt me, so that, that's, that scripture is not for me. If you're just a hearer and not a doer, you fail to be obedient to the Lord. I'm here to tell you, he loves everyone, but he doesn't reward everyone the same. He rewards obedience. And you know what the Bible says in Revelations? Turn to that scripture. Revelation, I believe, is 21. Look what the Lord says. And behold, I'm coming quickly. Oh, come on. I'm going to go down here. And my reward is with me, watch this, to give to everyone according to his work. Wait a minute. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward, notice he didn't say, and my reward are for people that went to church every Sunday and heard the word of God for 30 years. He said, my reward is coming to those who did what they heard. Do you know that in churches all over America, where there's this big deception out because they go to conference and they listen to these great podcasts and there's such great revelation out there of the word of God and they leave and they say, boy, that was a good word. And they do nothing about that word and they continue to live as they've been living all along. And all they have is a couple of great 
points that uh, that scripture has or a revelation that you had. And because you've been to a lot of Bible studies or you've been to a lot of church or you've been to a lot of things, we deceive ourselves thinking that's all we have to do. Do you know that if God is telling you to do something that is uh, turning away from your sinful lifestyle or is telling you to give Obedience is not determined by what makes sense. Obedience is determined by either the written word or the spoken word. I, I, I know, I know, this message is more for those who really want to go deep. That's why it's called trading for raining. All right? Obedience is the currency of heaven. You know, every time you see those who hear the word and then they do the word, the work of the Lord or the word of the Lord, you will see great favor upon their life and blessings. Why? Because you know that the Bible says that the Son of God learned obedience through the things he suffered? Oh, my God. Jesus learned. What? Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Wait a minute. He's Jesus. He's almighty God. He is sinless. But yet, when we suffer, that's when we become disobedient. Oh, come on. I'm going to preach on this side because this side is saying amen better. Let me tell you, when I have gone through a lot of pain, it is hard, harder to remain obedient because you feel, if you don't know your identity and if you don't know the scriptures, you feel God is abandoning you. You feel God is leaving you. And you're like, Lord, but I'm doing this. And Lord, I'm tithing. And Lord, I'm still feeling this way. And Lord, I don't feel right. And when all the pressure is mounting, that's a temptation to become disobedient. Yet the Bible says Jesus obedience to the things he suffered. He goes, I'm going to be even more obedient now because I'm going to be a doer of his word. The Bible says he, 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 he dissed the shame, he despised the shame of the cross, and he, and he humbled himself to the point of death. That's why the Bible says, therefore, God highly exalted him. He had a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane to either do the word or not do the word. He had a moment, and he said, Lord, if this is possible, let this cup pass from me. And he was sweating deep uh, sweats of blood, and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Can, let me pause in this. To be doers of the word, are you ready? You're going to have to relinquish your own will. If you truly want to be obedient, let me tell you something. I, I, I know Michelle and Enrique, and I, I know there's some things that the Lord has told us to do that is not easy. But obedience, the currency, obedience will pay. Obedience will pay. It may not pay right now, but you keep on being obedient to the Lord, and he will trust you with greatness. Because, listen, because Jesus says too much is given, much is required, right? But he also says, if you're faithful with the few, come on, if you're faithful with the little, you'll be entrusted with much. The church wants much and are not doers of the little. Sometimes you may not even know this. But sometimes God is putting you on a test to see, and you're like, well, it's not enough. I, I just do the usher thing, and I just do this in my job, or I just do the back. And God says, I want to see if you're not going to complain, if you're going to do this, because I have something really powerful that you, I'm going to trust you with. Listen, if we can't manage $100, why are you asking for 1000 I want to shake the world. You can't even shake your house. But what I'm saying is the Lord says, put your house in order. Judgment starts at the house of God. It also starts in your house. Come on, say my house. Joshua didn't say, as for me and my nation, we shall serve the Lord. He started in his house. He said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I'm going to start with me first. I'm going to start with my house first, with my wife and my kids. And then I'm going to see if it's going to transgress to the city and the nation and beyond. Everybody say, be doers. Say, be doers. You have to realize that if you could quote Scripture and you can have great revelation of Scripture and still not do. Where's Chris? Chris was saying something up here. He's like, man, I knew the Scriptures. You said that. You said, I knew the Scriptures. I did all that. He says, but I was living a double life. Through his own words. So that means it's possible that you could have a lot of knowledge, 
and have a lot of revelation. And that revelation and that knowledge actually sometimes inhibits you from being fully abandoned to God because the war in your head is, well, I know this stuff. I already know it. I know it. But God is not looking for knowledge because knowledge puffs up. He is looking for obedience. Okay, now I'm going to get really excited here. Stop delaying what you know God is speaking to you, hearing you. What are you saying no to that you heard God say yes to? What are you saying, what are you saying yes to that you heard God say no to? <laughs> See, can you hear, do you hear what I hear? What are you hearing? And it's for you. It's the, it's the written word and the spoken word. So to, to you, God may be saying something opposite of what he's saying to this. Not opposite as far as sin. Opposite as far as assignment and duties and things of that nature. Do you remember Peter? Peter's like, he's getting restored. He's this moment where he's getting restored. I'm like, he's thinking about somebody else while he's getting restored. He's like, he's like uh, Jesus like, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Jesus. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend to my lambs. Do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. You know all things. Do you love me? Yes, yes, I love you, Lord. You know I love you. Take care of my lambs. Then he goes, hey, there's be a time when you were younger, you did what you want, but there's going to be a time where people are going to take and stretch out your hands, and you're going you're gonna, to tell you to do things that you don't want. He was speaking of his death, and he's like, what about him? What about John? Remember, remember that? <laughs> Jesus is prophesying how he's going to glorify him with an uncomfortable, torturous death. He goes, wait, 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 wait. That must not only be for me, right? That must be for everyone, right? How about John? And Jesus goes, what is it to you if I allow him to live? Do you know what I realize? It's because each one of you must work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You must, you must be doers of God's word and not look at the person next to you and say, but how about, how about Jaylene? Well, how about her? But why, why can't I have it like her? Why can't I have it like this guy? It doesn't matter. Stop comparing your calling, your mission, your ministry, your obedience to somebody else that you've never walked their shoes. Oh, they have it easy. No, they don't. Just because you see someone walking in obedience doesn't mean it's easy. They have the Holy Spirit, but obedience is a choice. He could have made us as robots, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to give you the opportunity and the propensity to be disobedient to me, and I still love you, but I'm going to give you that choice. Oh, man. Let's look at some scriptures that clearly point to God's desires for being doers. Everybody say doers. James says, don't be hearers only. Now, now, I don't say this to be hard on you, but probably a good percentage of you are going to go home, hear a really good word, and are you going to actually do what has been preached or do what you've heard or do what you've heard the Holy Spirit speak to you all week or maybe the last couple of months? You know, God will tell you to do something that doesn't make sense. He's not looking for sense. He's looking for obedience. And let me give you a clue. A clue. The more obedient you are, now this is going to, you need to really listen very closely or else I'm going to be misquoted. You can't buy the favor of God. We know that. But you could attract the favor of God. The favor of God doesn't come to people who are disobedient. Oh, I know that in this day and age, this fluffy, duffy love gospel. The, the, the favor of God will not come to people who are disobedient. Does he forgive? Yes. Is he merciful? Yes. But I'm talking about rewards. I'm talking about his favor. The favor of God is attracted by obedience. I'm seeing, uh, there's a couple here that won't mention the name, then who they, they are. They have a business, and they were going through some things uh, in their business, and they were really, uh, they, were, they were about to lose a major contract. Listen to me, guys. Major contract that would have got them thousands and thousands of dollars in this subdivision, in this, in this business that they have. Well, guess what they did? They could have said, like, well, we're really struggling right now, so let's stop temporarily giving to the Lord. And take matters in our hands and save a little money so that we could do it. I saw week after week how this business and this couple, bless them, Lord, bless that. How this, how, this, how this couple and this business not only gave tithe but gave offerings every single week. Every single week they were obedient to the Lord and we prayed. And they, they thought it was going to be 
uh, a miracle. It actually took a miracle to, for, for this, this company to choose them over somebody else. But they kept being obedient. They get, watch this. Doers of the word. Doers of the word. Doers of the word. We prayed one day, and we said, it is done because God honors obedience. I think a week later, they, uh, I got an email that says, it happened. The company switched and gave the, the, the job to us. Come on, say amen. Don't expect the overflow of God in your life when you're willfully not doing what he's told you to do. Don't be hearers only. We got a lot of Christians that hear only but not do. Now watch. Are you ready for this? Are you guys getting something this morning? I know this, is, this preaching doesn't uh, go well with some of you, but I'm doing this because I love you. You know that John the Baptist, John the Baptist loved people, and he called them to repentance. He called them into, he called them into relationship, and he says, you bunch of vipers and snakes, who warned you of the wrath to come? And then the Bible says, with many more exhortations, he exhorted them. I'm like, what the? <laughs> That's an exhortation? You know why? Because he wanted nothing from them. If I want nothing from you, then I could just release the truth because I'm not manipulated by what you say or what you do. If I really love you, I'll hold you to obedience because I know that's going to change your life. Are you ready for this? Here's some scriptures about doing. Everybody say doing and not just hearing. But I want you, I, I, I know this sounds repetitive. I want you to say the word do. Say do. Say do. Say one more time. Say do. Because in these, in these scriptures I'm going to give you, it's not just about your relationship with God. It's about actual doing that God has justified. You say, well, that's works. Yes, it is. It works out of your relationship with God based on your faith. Because faith without works is dead. So watch this real quick. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to give you some scriptures here. Matthew chapter 7. And look, at this is a scary one. But, it's, but, but I, I, every now and then I got to give you something that is going to get you right, not just feel good. What if, what, if, what if God intended marriage to make you more holy, not just make you more happy? He will make you happy, but his goal is not just to make you happy. Marriage will make you holy, my brother. When you go through the fiery afflictions of relational conflict, you will birth holiness in you one way or the other. You will have some character birth in you. Come on, somebody. You look more like Jesus. It's because I've been going through the fire. Watch. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Watch this. Watch this word. Highlight it in your Bible. But he who does, does the will of my Father. What did James say? Do not be hearers only, but be doers. Some of you are ignoring me because you don't want to do because God is convicting you. Here's a sign that God wants you to do something. Ready? Are you feeling convicted? Then God wants you to do something about it. Seriously. If you feel convicted or you feel angry at me, God wants you to do something about it. He first doesn't want you to be mad at me. So he says, do something about that. And re- watch this. Receive. With meekness. In other words, don't try to restrain. Don't just restrain yourself from resisting. Receive the implanted word. Watch. But he who does the, the will of my Father uh, who, who are in heaven. Now, this is the scary part. Please hear me. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not. How we not who is he talking to? He's obviously not talking to worldly people. Worldly people don't claim to prophesy and cast out demons. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Watch this. You who practice. Practice. Now, practicing lawlessness has to do with not doing his word. Now, why do I say that? Not to to get you angry, but to realize that Jesus is after your obedience. Not just your feel good, not just your, not just not your praise, not just, we have tons of people who could shout and quote scripture better than me, but their marriage is about to go into divorce. There's people that are making much more money than I do, but they, they are not doing the things that they need to do to get their house in order. Come on, say amen. Even the Bible says, how can you rule the house of God if you can't even rule your own house? That's what the Bible says. And so watch what, what he's saying. He said, he said, 
In other words, Jesus is saying that there's going to be people in ministry who perform great deeds and will actually get people saved. Actually get people saved, but in their personal actions, they're not being doers. Oh, boy. That's where the deception is. We could get people saved. We could get in ministry. We could get into this routine called ministry and forget that it's all about obedience. I, I want to harp on this as your pastor today because I want to pastor you. God is after more than your just loving devotion, lovey-dovey song to him. He loves that. But he, if, if, if all, listen, okay, I'm going to talk to some, some married people here. If all your husband or wife does is sing to you and give you flowers but mess up constantly on cheating on you or emptying the bank account with some personal lives that they want to do, but yet they, they give you breakfast every day in bed or they sing great songs to you, that is not going to move you. You're like, put the money back in the account, bro. <laughs> or, or you need, I want all of you or none of you. I don't want to share you. We, we think that's an extreme, but God is the same way. If we don't want that for our own husband and wife, how much less God wants that for us? God, God wants all of you. Yeah, yeah, he wants the weak you, but he wants all of you. Now watch this. Now this is, ooh, this is good. The next two, two uh, scriptures are really going to hit home to you, okay? Now watch this. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 this is one of my favorites. I want you to see this. Two more scriptures I'm going to end. You getting something this morning? Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Look at, look at the trend here. Look at the trend, all right? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? This is an ouch moment. Why do you call me Lord and do not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord, he's saying, and, and not be obedient? Why do you call me Lord and still have anger towards your heart against that person? Why do you keep calling me Lord and tuning my spirit out? Why do you keep calling me Lord and backbiting and gossiping about every person that hurts you? Watch this. Keep going. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings. Oh, look, look, look. What is, what is this mirror? What is, what is that mirror? James. He says, whoever comes to me and hears my saying, watch this, and does them, hears and does them, I will show you who it is like. Now, that, now I'm going to paint a, a, a picture of obedience that's not pretty, but it's worth it at the end, okay? He is like, you would think that, that, that uh, Jesus is about to say something really profound that will exempt us from all kinds of trials. He says, here's what a hearer and a doer is like in my eyes. He goes, Ready? Yes, I'm ready. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when the, and when the flood arose, the steam, the streams beat vehemently against that house. Wait a minute. I thought I'm doing good. I thought I'm being obedient. Why are you allowing the streams of life and the winds of life to beat on my life? He says, because the rain comes on the just and on the unjust. And when the flood arose and the steam beat vehemently against that house, here's the benefit of obedience. Are you ready? And could not shake it. He could not shake the ones that were hearers and doers. Because when you're obedient, you will realize that you will have the fuel to resist and act uh, rightly when the floods come. But, watch this, for it was founded on the rock. So, so the person that hears and does is not exempt from the vehement streams pounding on their life. What they are is that they are uh, unshakable. Come on, say amen. They're unshakable. Say unshakable. That means they will not be moved. Glory to God. They will not go off course. They won't react in unbelief. They'll be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So the obedient person in the scriptures, they're going to feel the weight. They're going to feel the stream. But the difference to those who are obedient to the, than those who just hear, the ones who are obedient, the streams will come in life, the winds will come in life, and they will not be shaken. That's the difference. Now watch. Here's the scary part. But he who only heard, watch this, guys, and did nothing. What are we talking about? He who heard and said, boy, mm, preach. I got, I got a good lot of preaching amens here, right? But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the streams beat, the same streams, 
vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I want the worship team to come up here because I have one more scripture, but I want to just share this with you. Say, immediately it fell. So why do I say that? Because if you start talking about those that immediately fall off, and please hear me because I'm going to say something deep. If you start seeing a pattern in your own life or a pattern in other people that you love life, that they're, they're constantly falling off the path of the Lord, you have to ask yourself, have they dug deep in the foundation of hearing the word and being obedient, or are they just hearing the word? Do you know that you could be in a room for two hours and engage only in five minutes? You could be here for two hours and your mind could be drifting on the, on the game, on the food, on the supermarket, on the groceries, and engage in five minutes. Just because you are in a place for two hours does not mean that you're engaging with your whole heart. Only you could answer that. Only you could answer that. But I'm telling you is this, if you only hear and you don't, are not obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying, and let me, let me just, let's just, um, let's, um, I'm trying to get the words right so you won't get mad at me. Um, let's stop being overly religious and say that God only speaks to you. God speaks through people too. If, if Some people say, well, I don't need you to tell me that. I have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we have the Holy Spirit, but if that's the truth, then let's throw out the whole book of James because he said, confess your false one to another. That you may be healed. Iron sharpens iron, so a friend's sharpen the countenance of another friend. It's important that people keep each other accountable. You know the Bible says, oh, now I'm, I'm going to get a lot of emails on this one. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I hear this all the time from people that don't know the word. Stop judging me. Don't judge me. Now, now, now I know that there is some false judgment out there. There's fault-finding judgment out there. I know that, and that's bad. But the Bible says in Corinthians that we as Christians have a right to judge believers. Believers. He says, he say, he says I hear that strange things are happening to you, that, that a, a man is, 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 is marrying your mother-in-law. He goes, he goes, leave such a one for Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And then he says, why do you say that? Don't you know that we will judge angels? And then he says, we judge each other. What, what does judge mean? It's not... Oh, you dress funny. No, it's not. That's, that's, not, that, that's fault finding. Ju righteous judgment is, hey, do you call yourself a brother? Yeah. You, you call yourself a sister? Then I have the duty as your brother to say, your fornications that you're doing are not from the Lord. <laughs> See, oh, you're just, you're just judging me. No, I'm holding you to accountability. I'm holding you, I'm holding you to the word. If the Bible, well, I, I was not in my notes, so I'm going to say it anyways now. He said, anyone of you who's named a brother, named a brother, in other words, called himself a Christian, and is constantly in unrepented sexual immorality, the Bible says don't even eat with them. We, we're, I mean, like, I mean I, I'll be honest, I, I even hesitate to say that because I'm going to get like these lashes at me. Even now, your eyes are lashing at me. Paul, not Pastor George, not Pastor George. Paul the Apostle says, if they are in repeated unrepentant sin and they call themselves a Christian and they're fornicating, don't even eat with them. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. That doesn't mean that we're mean. That doesn't mean that we're saying, oh, you know what? Look at, look at us, we're holier than you. No, it's what, it, what it's saying is let them feel the sting of the fact that you're not okay. You're not okay with being called a brother and sister in the Lord and just doing anything you want. If those of you in the military or in the police office, uh, officer work, and, and, and I pretend to be a police officer and, and neglect all the hard work and basic training that you guys did, you're going to call me out on that. Right? Well, we have this scripture. Now look at this. This is the last thing I want to say. I say it because we, I, I'd, I'd rather have a church that is 40 members that are doing the work of the Lord that have 500 that do whatever they want and they're unsubmissive to authority. They don't, like, they, don't, they don't like to be corrected. Do you know the Bible says that he who God loves, he corrects? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That means in Hebrews 12 it says if you're without correction, you're illegitimate. Don't quote me. Look at it in your Bible in Hebrews. It says if you are not corrected then you are an illegitimate child in the Lord. In the Lord, 
He says, but God loves those he chastises. Watch. He goes, no correction or chastisement is pleasant for the moment. Then he's real. He goes, but painful. Everybody say painful. Say painful. But afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. You know, when we were younger, we used to hear this, our mom say, when we got in trouble, now this is going to hurt you more than me. I'm like, no, it's not. It's going to hurt me more. But there's a truth to that. God doesn't get joy in your pain. He gets joy in what's going to come out of the discipline. He prunes us so that we could be like him. Now watch. Now watch. This is the last one. I feel the Holy Spirit here. How many of you are tired of the fluff and want to be obedient to the Lord? Come on. It, it, can I just say, this is not in my notes, but if you allow a friend, a pastor or a leader to let you get away with anything and, not every, and every now and then not hold you accountable, that's not a true friend. If I see one of my spiritual daughters or sons out of line and I don't say anything, guess what I'm doing? I'm actually agreeing with that lifestyle. Because, because I'd rather have them as my friend than to have them in eternity. I used to say people, I used to tell when I was a youth pastor, I'd say, you may not like me now, but you're going to love me in heaven. <laughs> Listen, I'd rather get shocked now than shocked later. I, that's not even, half of my message is not even in my nose, guys. It's just the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you last, last scripture. I feel the Holy Spirit so strong. This, do you know what, You know what fuels obedience? Not only your knowledge of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. You know what the Bible says? The fear, to, the fear of the Lord is to depart from wickedness. It's a fuel of obedience. I think, I thank God for grace. And I thank God for, for mercy. But I will admit, I will admit, I too at some times in my life have over-exasperated the mercy and grace of God to do what I want to do all in the name of grace. And yes, yes, he forgives me. And yes, he's merciful to me. But I'll feel the sting. And every now and then, because he loves me, he'll put me through a pruning process. He says, you're going to get pruned because you haven't learned it right. And I love you, but I want you to look like me. The goal of obedience is Christ-likeness. How many want to look like Jesus? You're not going to look like him by just loving on him. You're going to look like him by making tough decisions and say, I will be obedient. Even Esther, when she's looking down that thing, you got you to save us, Esther. You got to save us, Esther. But if I go to the king without him, without him lifting up his scepter, I'm going to die. He says, you know what? Mordecai goes, who knows, Esther, if you were not born in the kingdom for such a time as this. And then Esther goes, you're right. I'm going to go before the king. I'm going to plead my case. And if I die, I die. Let me give you a little, a, a, a little revelation on obedience. It's death sometimes. And in order for us to be obedient, you have to not care about dying to your flesh. You got to not care sometimes of having some people move away and not be a part of your life because you're trying to seek obedience and they're trying to live their own life and party it up. You got to be okay with some people not agreeing with the fact that I go all out for Jesus and stop trying to please everyone. You got to be okay with that. But if you're not okay with that, you're going to go around the crowd. Now watch this. This is, this is good stuff. I got to hurry up here. Mark chapter 4. This is the last scripture. Are you ready for this? There's four types of people in this room that has four spiritual grounds, what I call spiritual grounds of the heart. Uh, this is the last scripture. Look at what Jesus said. He's not, now, let me give you a backdrop. Jesus just finished saying a parable of the sower, right? He's saying the sower will go out to sow, and the birds of the air came, and this came, and, 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 and took that out, and it have no root. And so the disciples, hear me now, this is key. The disciples said, hey, Jesus, would you explain this? Now, listen, listen to me. This is the only scripture that I see Jesus saying that if you don't understand this, let's pause and because we're not going to understand anything else. Wait, wait, wait. Hone in on me. Hone in on me. Jesus is about to say something very profound. He said, if you don't understand what I'm about to tell you, let's just stop everything because then you won't understand anything else I tell you. 
It's a principle. Everybody say principle. Are you ready? How many of you want to be doers? Look at verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Watch this. Come on, follow me with your Bible. The sower sows the word. Everybody say sower sows the word. Say that. Sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside. Uh, now, wait, wait, wait. Look at me. Look at me. I want you to, I want to give you a little uh, homework right now that you could talk back to me. I want you to see if you could find a common denominator, a common denominator in this scripture of why the seeds failed on 75% of the grounds. All right? And then I'm going to ask you if you have the, if the answer right. Ready? Here it goes. And these are the ones who, on the wayside, when the word was sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These, likewise, are the ones on stony ground, say stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so they endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or pressure or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Look at the third ground. Now these are the ones sown on thorns. Say thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. And, the, and in the, watch this, in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Say good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, and 100 fold. Talk back to me. I give you permission. What's the common denominator? What's the common denominator in, uh, uh, of, 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 of this scripture? Okay, doers, yes, but that's not what I'm after. All of them heard the word. Do you realize that says, here are the ones by the wayside. They hear the word, and immediately Satan comes in. Here's the one on stony ground. They heard the word. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, but not be only hearers, but doers. They all heard the word on the, on the thorny ground. Here's the ones that sown on thorny grounds. They hear the word. Look in your Bible. And then the desires for other things, worldly pleasures come in and choke the word. Only 25% of all the grounds that the seed of the Word of God was heard will produce fruit. Why? Because the good ground person, he not only heard it, he accepted it. And that word accept in the Greek means to do something about it. He says he heard it, accepted it, and bore fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Here is the clue. All of them heard the Word. Everybody say, all of them heard. Every single ground heard the word. The ground is symbolic of our heart. But only, only one out of four produced fruit. Why? Because they were doers of the word. I'm here to tell you that according to scripture, 75% of people who hear the word will not be doers. The sower is the word, is the one who sows the word. But today we want to change that. Today we want to change that and we want to say, you know what? I want to identify the spiritual ground that my heart is in today and all the areas of unfruitfulness, and I want to progress to be a doer. How many today want to progress from being a hearer to a doer? Come on. How many, how many, what is God telling you that you've postponed for a long time? Come on, come on. I want you to lift up your hands. Come on, lift up, stand on your feet. We're about to close. Come on, stand up on your feet. He is good. He's always good. And he's here to challenge us to more than just church attendance. He's challenging us. Revival is not going to come with packed out churches. Revival is going to come when we become obedient to what God says he loves and we become obedient to what God says he doesn't like. Come on, say, God, make me a doer. Come on, make me a doer of your word. Make me a doer of your word. You're good. You're good. Come on. Come on, church, lift up your hands.
Come on, think about it right now. Jesus. Lift your hands. Come on. You're good, Jesus. You desire obedience. I want you to look at me before we close. I just heard the Lord say this. It wasn't planned. Actually, 50% of what I spoke today wasn't planned, but I want to say this. The Lord reminded me just now when I, when I was praying. He said, tell them, remember about the story of Saul, where Saul was 99% obedient to the Lord, but he didn't do everything that God told him, and God still had an, a huge issue with that. Listen, God told Saul... He said, I want you to kill the enemy. Do you know the enemy? You don't want to keep him alive in your life, the enemy. I mean, meaning the tempter of our soul, Satan. You don't want, you don't want, you don't want uh, to just uh, to, to wipe out some, some demonic power in your life and just keep a couple of small demons around your house. Right? It's like, Lord, I'm going to knock off lust and I'm going to laugh out anger. But you know what? All this, like the, the greed stuff, I kind of want it around. I want that around me. God told Saul... I want you to kill the Amalekites. I want you to kill the enemy and leave nothing behind. Well, guess what? He actually did everything except he left the king alive and he left some cattle alive. And God told him to kill everything. Listen, listen. There's a principle here. He comes in and watch this because I feel this is a prophetic picture of the church. He says, I've executed the will of the Lord. And, God, and the prophet said, then why do I hear these bleeding of the sheep and the lambs? Why do I, why is this king alive? Well, well, I, I thought that if I just get the best for the people. Do you know what, watch this, this is a key. Do you know what the prophet Samuel said to Saul? He said, God wants obedience rather than sacrifice. In other words, don't count your sacrifice of coming to church, getting dressed, sitting in a pew as obedience. God wants you to come to the assembly of saints together. But how about your private life? He wants obedience better than sacrifice. What am I saying this to you? The Lord is calling his church higher. He's calling, listen, he's calling his bride. His bride. He's calling her to be obedient to his words, wait, and to graduate from being a listener only to a doer of his word. Today, I want to pray. I want everyone to close your eyes. We're about to dismiss. I know this is, this is something that's challenging you, but I, I want it to challenge you. If all you're doing is looking for feel-good messages and that's not going to challenge you to obedience, then we're, we're being deceived. The book of James says, if you are a hearer only, you're deceiving yourself. That means you're doing Satan's job for him. That means you're, do, you're, do, you're actually doing his job when you only hear and don't do. Oh, I feel the Lord. I'm not going to say it and I'm not going to pause anymore. I feel the release. The Lord is calling you to be obedient to him. The Lord is saying, stop messing around. Stop playing games. Stop postponing obedience because of your pleasures. Stop postponing it because of your fears. Because you don't want to go all out. The time is now. There's no greater time than now. Now is the day of salvation. What does that mean, Pastor George? Sometimes it means that you have to be a little radical and say, you know what? I may have to throw away some stuff. I may have to cut away some relationships. I may have to do something about my addictions. Guys, if I as your pastor is not trying to hold you to this standard, then we, we need have, we have very few people that will. So today, all eyes closed, if you say, I want to graduate, I've been a listener for a long time, but there's some areas in my life 
that I want to be a doer. And it doesn't only have to be bad. It may be like a mission trip or it may be stepping out of your comfort zone actually helping maybe on some prayer times or helping in leadership or helping in volunteer and you're saying no. Obedience is sometimes uncomfortable. But when the trials come, those who are obedient to his word, they will not be shaken. They will not be shaken. Today, before we leave, if you say, I want to graduate just from being a doer, I mean, a a listener to being a doer, lift up your hands in some areas of your life. You really want to, there's there's something that you've heard God say no to and you're saying yes to. Or there's something that you heard God say yes to and you're saying no to. Maybe your yes is not a major thing. Maybe your yes that God is saying yes to is, hey, help out Jody in the fellowship team or help out the, the, the worship team. And you're like, I don't want to do that. That also is disobedient. Well, how about his word? If you're in a relationship that's not glorifying God and the Lord is speaking to you, get right, get obedient. Don't just hear, be doers. God is going to change your life. I'm going to send you, I'm going to say one last thing and I promise I'll let you go. Obedience will set the chains of, of bondage off of your life. You don't have to spend five hours rebuking the devil. Just be obedient and those chains will fall off. Sometimes we're in the mess that we're in because we don't want to be obedient. Because watch this, watch this, watch this. We love, but we have so much that we're not willing to part from that. We're not willing to part from the pornography. We're not willing to part from our comfort zone. We're not willing to part from having extra cash in our pocket and not tie. We don't want to part from that. But if you do, I guarantee you the blessing of the Lord will come on your life. Father, right now, close your eyes. Just have to raise your hand. You don't have to come up. Say, I I want to be more of a doer, Lord. Just raise your hand. I just want to be more of a doer. I see those hands all over this place. I want to be a doer of what you're telling me. I want to be a doer of your word. Father, I pray, give us grace. Father, and I welcome the conviction of the Lord. We're not running away this morning. We're going to face it. We're going to face it, Lord. We're not running away from our problems. We're going to say yes to obedience. Whatever you're saying for us to do, we say yes and we will do. We say yes and we will do. We ask for great grace in areas of obedience. Come on, begin to ask God for grace. God, give me grace to be obedient in the areas that have not been obedient. Give me grace to be obedient. Give me grace to love my family well. Give me grace, Lord God, to give. Give me grace, Lord God, to respond to the call of God. And I say yes. Give me grace to be holy. Give me grace to walk in holiness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Hug someone before you leave. I welcome them. And I'll see you guys in the cafe. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.